The next night I found Alice alone in the apartment. The blind men were at Cynthia Jalter's. Alice was sitting cross-legged in the middle of the bed, drawing in a spiral-bound notebook. She'd cleaned up the painting supplies. The lamp by the bed was the only light on in the apartment. Alice's boyish, lopsided haircut had been growing out its worst irregularities, and I found myself actually charmed by the androgynous curve of her neck and scalp. The apartment was quiet. We were quiet. I stood in the doorway and she looked up at me. If I didn't talk, her silence wasn't anything abnormal. Maybe we were about to touch. As I recalled that kind of mutual, affectionate silence, I stared, and she stared back. My inner chemistry had been hijacked by a mad scientist, who poured the fizzy, volatile contents of my heart from a test tube marked Sober Reality into another labeled Sunny Delusion, and back again, faster and faster, until the floor of my life was slick with spillage. Do you want some coffee? I said. She stared. I guess that's a bit naive, thinking you'll break your silence to ask for coffee. Anyway, you probably just had coffee, just now. She continued to stare. Tea? I said. We could have tea. I heard someone say tea builds bridges between people. Coffee is more isolationist. Alice smiled, my head flushed with blood. I'll make tea, then. I'll go out and get some. You stay there, keep smiling. Philip, she said. You spoke. Stop talking, she said. Stop for a minute. I nodded, which she missed. Why do you keep trying to talk to me, Philip? That's it? You open your mouth to ask me why I talk to you? That's what you have to say? She nodded. The mad scientist dumped both test tubes on the floor, and the contents ran down the drain marked embittered. I've thought about shutting up, believe it or not, but I think the solution is more talk, not less. I could learn ventriloquism, ask questions, and answer them myself. After Evan and Garth move out, we could get some cats and dogs, and I could make up funny voices for them. No reaction. I talk to offer some contrast to Lack, to help you understand your options. I talk, he doesn't. I talk because I've been consulting with an expert on ontological breakdown, and he prescribes inane chatter, doctor's orders. You think I like this? It's a living nightmare. I hear my voice in dreams offering you coffee. This is a bedside vigil, an act of faith. And now the patient rouses to ask if I would please pull the plug on the respirator. I heard footsteps and cane taps outside. A car door slamming. The blind men were back. I talk because... Listen, before they get inside, let me ask you a question. Do you think Garth would make a good blues singer? Or is that racist? I'm thinking of buying him a guitar for Christmas. You can write your answer down on a piece of paper. The blind men clattered through the front door into the darkened apartment. Alice looked away from me. Garth buzzed straight through to the kitchen, to the humming refrigerator, which spilled light into the living room. Evan walked a tight circle at the doorway until he stood facing me, approximately. Philip, he said, Cynthia wants to talk to you. She's waiting outside. I looked at Alice again. Her eyes were stony. The moment of connection was over, if it had happened at all. Perhaps Alice, as previously formulated, resided more in my memory than in the depleted original container.
Stay there, I said to her. We'll talk more in a minute. Practice moving your lips and tongue while I'm gone.